At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It was 10 minutes till close when I heard the door swing open. Ah, a customer this late? It was my first day at Tony's Pizzeria, and I was eager to get home. My manager Mason had to leave early. His infant son had a fever, and I was left all alone to close up. Sighing, I put down the broom and made my way to the front. Hi, may I help? I stopped. The store was empty. Everything was as I left it. The chairs lifted into the tables, the lights dim, the silverware and parmesan shakers sitting on the shelf above the garbage. Hello, I called, but only silence met my ears. I shrugged and went back to sweeping. The store was eerily quiet. The only sound was my broom scratching against the floor as I swept shreds of mozzarella across the floor. Only five minutes until close, I thought, glancing up at the clock. Then I can finish cleaning, lock up, and get out of here. But I had scarcely swept another few feet when I heard it again. I dropped the broom and ran to the front of the store. Hello? Nobody was there, but this time, the front door was open. Hello? I called again, louder this time, hoping my voice would reach the outside. Beyond the light spilling out into the patio, there was total darkness. I couldn't even make out the parking lot or the trees. What if there's someone out there? watching. If there was, I wouldn't even know. I rushed over, shut the door, and turned the lock. Click. No pizza left for them anyway, I muttered to myself. I picked up the broom and began sweeping around the tables, but I couldn't silence the voice echoing in my head. What if someone's out there? I stared out the glass. The shadows across the patio shifted and swayed with the wind. What if someone's trying to rob us? I'm all alone. No weapons. No security system. Just an old lock on a glass door. I shook the thoughts from my head and continued sweeping. I was nearly done when SLAM! A loud noise from the back of the pizzeria. I jumped and started to shake. I gripped the broom tight as if it were a weapon and stepped forward. Hello? Thump, thump. Hello? I rounded the corner. 
the back door was wide open. The stench of the dumpster in the alley filled the room, along with the gusses of cold night air. But no one was there. I ran over and shut the door. Then I dragged a chair in front of it and a stack of empty pizza boxes for good measure. I began to think to myself, It's a windy night. You're just scaring yourself. I took a deep breath, the mozzarella twirling and sticking under the broom. Just finish cleaning, lock up, and get out of here. I finished sweeping the back, then walked towards the front of the store. Slam! I jumped and ran to the back door. It was wide open. The chair was kicked over. The pizza boxes were wildly strewn about. But the room was still empty. That's it. I closed the door again and grabbed my coat. Then I ran out of the store, through the shadows, until I reached the familiar cold metal of my car. If he fires me for a dirty floor, so be it. That beats getting murdered. I yanked the door open, dove in, and pulled out of the parking space. As I turned onto the main road, I heard it. Tap, tap, tap. A soft clicking sound above the roof of the car. Tap, tap, tap. I tried to ignore it as I drove, but it got louder. Tap, tap, tap. It now started to sound like it was coming from behind me. Heart pounding. I slowly lifted my eyes to the rearview mirror. And there, breaking the darkness of the back seats, was a man's face. I screamed. The car swerved wildly, narrowly missing the gutter. I jolted to a stop and got the fuck out of the car. Then I pulled out my phone and called 911. 911, what's your emergency? There's someone in my car. I was trying to get in the pizza shop as I was clean as I cleaned up. And then and then I stopped. I could see through the window that the back seat was completely empty. The next day, I came into work shaken. But Mason only added to that. You didn't finish sweeping the floor before closing up, he yelled. This entire half has bits of food, even a dirty toothpick. He sat down inside. I'll let it slide this time, but if you do it again, I'm going to fire you. Mason, I'm so sorry. I would have cleaned it, but... but... He eyed me suspiciously. I'm not one for excuses. You know that. I know, but, but I swear this happened. The front door started opening. I thought someone was there. But nope. No one was there. Then, after I locked it, the back door opened. I even put a chair against it, and it opened again. I looked at him with pleading eyes. I thought someone was trying to rob the place, and then when I drove home, 
I swear, Mason, there was someone in the back seat. Mason stared at me, and then he broke into jolly goffles. <laughs> That's just good old Polly, he said. Uh, what? The guy who used to run the shop before he died in 02. He likes to keep an eye on the place. Mason shot me a smile. Especially the new employees. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty. <sighs> Smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. I was driving through rural New Jersey when I saw him, a hitchhiker standing by the side of the road. Surprisingly well-dressed, black suit, slick back hair, narrow briefcase. Now, I know I shouldn't pick up hitchhikers, but I'm six foot four, 230 pounds with all kinds of hunting equipment in the back of my truck. It's not like this prissy-ass businessman is going to beat me to death and leave me on the side of the road. Besides, I need gas money. Hey man, I said, pulling over to the side of the road. I'll give you a lift if you pay me for gas. Of course. He said in a polite, almost British accent. He reached for his wallet and pulled out three crisp $20 bills. This enough? I grinned. That's way more than enough. I greedily snatched the money from him and clicked the locks. Get in, bud. He climbed in. His blue eyes shifted from the crumpled Wendy's wrapper on the dashboard to the mysterious sticky goo on the middle console. Sorry the car is not clean. I'm going hunting. I said, turning back onto the highway. Hunting? Interesting, he said in a strangely enthusiastic tone. Have you always liked to hunt? No, it's the funniest thing. Never thought I'd ever hunt. Love animals, got three dogs at home. But there are so many deer around these parts when winter comes. A lot of them starve to death, not to mention all the car accidents they cause. I trailed off, and we fell into uncomfortable silence. Just hunting for the day, then? No. My buddy Matt and I will be out there the whole weekend. He let out a laugh. <laughs> the whole weekend? Your wife's a sight for letting you go. My wife? How did he? But then my eyes fell on the steering wheel and the silver ring on my finger. Ah, yeah. Mary's a doll. She's actually pregnant, you know. Five months with a little girl. He gave me a crooked smile. A girl, huh? Yeah. I could feel him staring at me long after we had fallen into silence. It made me feel uncomfortable. I clicked on the radio. How did you meet Matt? He asked, fiddling with a dial. All that came through was static. That's a weird question, I thought. Um, he and Mary were close friends. So when we got married, I got to know him well. Mm-hmm, the man said. He stroked his chin thoughtfully and I was suddenly reminded of a psychiatrist. Are you a psychiatrist? I blurted out. He laughed. Definitely not. I work in finance. What type of finance? It was my turn to ask the questions now. 
Futures, he replied noncommittally. I glanced over at him. A small smile was on his lips, and I noticed his fingers had gravitated from his lap to the briefcase at his feet. My heart began to pound. Click, click. He undid the clasps. The case creaked open. What's in your briefcase? I asked. Work. What kind of... His long fingers disappeared into the darkness of the case. He was pulling something out. My body began to seize up. The steering wheel felt like ice under my fingers. I have a lot of hunting equipment back there, I said, so you better not be... I stopped. He was only pulling out a sheet of paper. For a few minutes, he was quiet, reading the paper, intently and silently, as if his life depended on it. Scourge, scourge. His fingers slid over it as they traced the text. Then he slipped it back into the case and snapped it shut. What was he reading, I thought. But before I could get the question out, he turned towards me. I could barely see his face in my peripheral vision. But I knew he was staring at me for minutes on end. Then he broke the silence. Don't go hunting, he said, his ice-blue eyes boring into me. What? Turn the car around. Go home to Mary. What? She needs you. He paused. Madeline needs you. I paled. I never told him we were going to name our baby Madeline. How did you? He's going to make it look like an accident, he said, his voice gravelly and halting. Just a simple hunting accident. The most punishment he'll endure is 35 minutes in the police station, writing out his statement. But... Let me off at that diner. Up ahead. I like their cob salad very much. Matt's going to kill me? What are you talking about? He turned to me, eyes wide. What are you talking about? About what you just said. All I said is I'd like you to let me off at that diner, please. He pointed to the exit, curving off the highway. You're going to miss it if you don't slow down. With a shaking hand, I clicked on my blinker, pulled off the exit into the parking lot. My heart pounded in time with the click, click, clicks of the cooling engine. Thank you for the ride, he said, pulling his briefcase out with him. Have a good drive, will you? I couldn't squeak out a reply because the door slammed shut. I didn't believe him, but my nerves were too shot to continue the trip either. I texted Matt that I was sick, turned around, and went home to Mary. Mary was thrilled. Matt was disappointed. A little too disappointed, if you ask me. A month later, after ignoring most of Matt's calls and texts, which became increasingly frequent and desperate, I heard a faint thumping noise at the door. When I flicked on the porch light, there was Matt, hunched over our doorknob, holding a lockpick. We called the police. Since then, life has been great. Just a few months later, our wonderful little Madeline was born, and as soon as we got back from the hospital, on our doorstep was a little teddy bear, a pink bow sewed on its head. There wasn't a return address, or a card of any kind, but I think I know who it's from.
TV shows and movies usually depict abductors driving white or black vans. I didn't realize this until I decided to buy a white 1994 Dodge Ram cargo van to haul some of the gear I needed for work. While driving it, I've been pulled over by cops and searched three times for no reason. But that is another story. The point is, some people see vans as suspicious. One day while returning home, a woman pushing a stroller stared at me for a long time while I drove along my home street. We have speed bumps and I had a lot of expensive, delicate gear in the van, so I was driving very slowly. She stared at me, wide-eyed, the entire time. So I smiled at her, like a friendly neighbor does. But she was staring so intently, she almost walked a stroller right off the edge of the curb. I thought it was funny, and almost forgot about it. A week later, our homeowners association email thread heats up, when a resident sends out a notice that his wife and toddler were being stalked by a man in a white van. Fearing a pitchfork and a torch mob mistaking me for the creeper, I reply to all, saying I live in the neighborhood and also drive a white van. I even provided my license plate number and home address, which was a big mistake. Jokingly, I added that I also witnessed a suspicious person in the neighborhood, a woman with a stroller who was staring at me so long and hard it made me feel uncomfortable. I provided the date and time of the incident to see if their alleged stalker was actually me. It was. The guy that made the post got triggered. He started sending email after email, ceasing everyone on the list, telling me that he can read between the lines of what I was saying. His accusations became more and more ludicrous and turned into personal attacks. Several of the neighbors on the email list replied that he was behaving badly. The emails eventually stopped, but things got even weirder. On several occasions while out walking my dog, a 10-year-old girl would come out of her house, run over to me, awkwardly chat me up about my dog and give me strangely intimate details of her life. I wondered why this child was talking to strangers, but thought maybe she just knew me from the neighborhood, so I politely played along. Then, one day, the girl shows up at my house. She said she was angry because her dad wouldn't let her have a dog like mine so she wanted to visit my dog for a while. I told her I needed to talk to her parents before I could even let her visit my home like this. She said okay and left, and I never saw her anymore. I have two daughters, and one of their friends told me that the girl who was chatting me up is the daughter of the triggered dude from the HOA email list. He had been sending her out to talk to me and taking pictures. 
My daughter's friend was friends with this bait girl. The poor girl's dad was making his own daughter uncomfortable, which is why she confided in her friend. The dad was sending his own daughter out to chat with me, so he could accuse me of I don't know what. One detail I forgot to mention. I have dash cams on all of my vehicles and CCTV monitoring my front door. So the initial incident with the wife, as well as the girl coming to my door, were recorded. I emailed the triggered dude and offered him copies of the videos of each incident. I also told him I was concerned that his daughter was behaving inappropriately towards strangers. Apparently, this scuttled his plan, as I never heard from him again.